Welcome to the Lubar Executive Education Podcast. This episode is part of our series focused on defining the five key performance indicators of manager value. My co-host for this series is Derek Van Mel, founder of the Center for Management Terms and Practices. And our guest today is Tim Stewart, president and managing partner of the DeWitt Law Firm. Tim specializes in employee stock ownership plans and has clients in many sectors, including banking, manufacturing, distribution, and transportation. He's written extensively on the subject of ESOPs and helped lead the Wisconsin ESOP Association. Tim also works with our co-host to help recruit and develop high-functioning boards. Welcome, Tim. Derek and I appreciate you being with us today. Thank you. Happy to be here. Derek, in this series, we've already covered key performance indicators for sales and customer service. What key performance indicator of manager value are we going to talk about today? Well, we're going to put Tim on the spot to talk about productivity. And as president and managing partner, uh, this is going to be very much on his mind, I think. So I know we're going to have a really good conversation, and uh, Tim is an incredibly thoughtful fellow. So I think we should just you know, really feel free to give him a hard time and uh, see what he has to say. So let's jump right in. Tim, what can you tell us about key performance indicators related to productivity that can help quantify the value of managers in an organization? Well, so productivity in law firms is, I'd say, a tricky and perhaps sensitive subject for those who are in it, those lawyers who are subject to those definitions and other terms. The idea historically with law firms is the more productive you are, that means the more hours you are billing. And from my perspective, having seen uh, over the last, say, five to seven years, there's been a shift in that, uh, both in my personal practice and in other practice areas, to fixed fee billing versus hourly billing. And so, as you can imagine, measuring productivity just by how many hours you can bill is both not particularly client-friendly nor is it good for efficiency um, as a company. And so I guess what I'd like to talk about is the idea of using fixed fee billing and efficiency to enhance productivity and as a measurement of productivity. Can you share an example of when you've seen somebody positively change a productivity KPI? Our ESOP practice group is a really good indicator and uh, example of what happens when you, when you go from hourly billing to fixed fee billing, because we measure how efficient they are based on how few hours they're billing in a matter versus how many hours they're billing. And so the mentality and process where someone was actually motivated to take more time previously, now we've changed, we've essentially changed the measurement. They have actually more motivation to be more efficient and therefore take less time, you know? And so in any situation, in any company, I think that's what you want, right? You want people to be as efficient as possible. And so if, if, they, if they have that in mind, then you're going to end up with better performance indicators and better performance in general. I can't stress enough how much of a game changer it is from both sides of the transaction, meaning the, the, the lawyer side and the client side. So what you find And anyone who's ever purchased legal services will tell you it's scary. Why is it scary? Because you don't know what you're buying. That is, if you are buying and paying by the hour, actually, in some ways, you know, the, the, the world of medicine can be like this, too, where you don't know what things cost. But the idea of of hiring someone to do something for you where you don't know how much it's going to cost. 
how do you measure whether it's worth it? How do you measure what the value is? Like, oh, I think this estate plan, for an example, this could be really helpful to me. It could save me taxes over the long run. But how do I know it's worth it if I don't know what I'm going to be paying? And they can give fee ranges and so forth. But the idea of setting a price, a fixed fee price and sticking to it has been a real game changer when it comes to the client perspective. Yeah, I, I would think, uh, Tim, that you know, thinking about something that uh, Kevin Hickman said in our first podcast, we were talking about sales growth. He said, you know, KPI is only as good as the behavior it modifies, which I thought was really, really insightful. So I'm, I'm really interested to, to hear you talk about how, from the, the lawyer's side, not only how they sort of receive this kind of idea, this pressure, if you will, uh, but did, did they ultimately did they ultimately like it? And what kind of new behaviors have you seen? Yeah, it's scary. It, it, I think I think lawyers, anything new, uh, any I think employees are are going to tend to be dubious, skeptical, a little bit afraid. But ultimately, you have what I've seen is employees treating their service, what they what they provide, and being a little more long term thinking about it. That is, for example, when you're when you're pricing something. You need to be able to think about it like, okay, well, is this something that I'm going to be doing over and over again? Is it is it a relative commodity? And, and not, I'm not saying that legal services are, are commodities. Hopefully, that's not true. Uh, if they are, we're all going to be we're all, all lawyers are going to be in big trouble. But if you if you can think of what you're doing as something that that you can do over and over again with a lot of tweaks here and there, then you can start pricing it in a way that that makes sense for both the company and for the client. And, and so rather than just churning and you talk about behavior, you, if you are incentivized by billable hours as your, as productivity, your incentive is just to work and work and work and work and never stop billing hours. But if you're, if you're incentivized rather by doing a piece of work in an efficient manner, so that you, so that the total amount of time it takes you matches up to the price you quoted. Well, now you're now you're thinking more like, say, someone that builds a house or or builds anything really. And so that's been kind of cool to see. So it must be must have had to uh, get everybody conversant in a whole bunch of different factors, you know, to think about working efficiently. It's not just sit at your desk and go faster, right? It's you have to you have to think about the whole transaction, the whole matter, the whole team dynamics. How do you how do you break that down? What are some of the factors that you think about? Because I think you look carefully at how you use your time. I mean, those are ideas that I think you know anybody who runs any kind of organization can learn from. So how do you break that down? Yeah. So I just mentioned consistency. Is it something that's repeatable? I mean, you think about someone making widgets. They're trying to they're trying to make those widgets in the same way and as as quickly as possible. Lawyers, you're trying to think about well, what am I doing over and over again? What sort of process am I going through over and over again that I probably could over the long term figure out if I charge this amount each time, then I'm going to be, then I'm going to approximate or make a profit on it, right? Um, so consistency and repeatability of, of the product is one thing. You also have to think about other factors like, okay, am I the only one that can do this? Or are there other people that I could bring in that that can help with this project that are perhaps less expensive than I am that that have less experience but can but can do the parts of the do parts of this 
so that when we add it all together, we're still making a profit. And that's, that's a scale issue too, right? Like, okay, how many of me or how many of, 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 of how many teammates am I going to need to bring into this to keep up with how many estate plans or trademarks or ESOP transactions we're going to need to do. So there's a, there's a staffing consideration there. And then there's, this is the, the toughest part for lawyers is there's a bit of a risk assessment in there about what are the variables? The variables in making a widget, you know, might be your, the amount of space you have, the cost of fuel, you know, um, uh, those sorts of things. In a transaction, a legal transaction, the risks that you're assessing is, well, who's on the other side? If, it's a, if, if there is another side, like a transaction, what lawyers on the other side? What other parties are involved that could cause things to take more time than I'm anticipating? And that's sort of the, the, the risk assessment part of it. And that, that there's also a client assessment part of it. Like um, in a given transaction, if I've got one client who's selling his or her business, one shareholder, then I know I got a pretty good idea of how long it's going to take me to draft the documents to achieve the result. But if I've got five shareholders, okay, with differing personalities, goals, expense tolerance levels, that, then that's a, that's, a, that's a client assessment issue. Like, okay, I'm going to have to take that into account. And then finally, technology is, is, is a concern to take into account. We, we actually recently... Are, are, are taking a, what I'll call an old school lawyer in, in estate planning and trying to get him up to date with some of our newer school technologies. The, the idea of taking and using software, document software, to draft wills and estate plans and trusts. Um, that technology has been around for quite a while, but some lawyers just still are afraid of it or, or, or won't, don't want to use it. So there's always new technologies, certainly in our intellectual property realm, that, that's a big that's a that's a big factor to consider as well. Tim, I'm curious. Do you think that the that the people in the firm actually have a sort of innate drive to be more efficient and productive? I think we're all Wisconsiners, so we tend to think of ourselves as being, you know, always wanting to do things as simpler, faster, better, cheaper. Do you think people enjoy this at some level? I mean, working more efficiently in some way? Absolutely. It is innate, I think, uh, despite the fact that our industry has pushed and sort of set it to the side by, by making everything hourly billing, there is an innate drive to be efficient. And so we're trying to take advantage of that innate drive. It almost always goes back to your customer. And I will say that fixed fee projects has completely changed my interface with clients. And in particular, here, here's the big part of it. And I don't know if this is a sales edict or, or if I'm just making this up for the first time, but you never want to have to sell your product more than once to the same customer. Meaning once a customer decides to buy your product, you want to take the money at that point and be done with the transaction because their expectations are, they've made the decision and that's the right time to get the money and, and complete the transaction. With legal services over the years, you're getting hired and a client so a client is, is deciding they want to work with you. That's the first time you get hired. And then when you're, do, when you're billing by the hour and you send them a monthly invoice, now you got to convince them to pay that invoice. So you're trying to get hired again. You're constantly getting them or asking them to continue to hire you and pay you. And that is not an ideal sales situation when you're just constantly needing to get rehired and rehired and rehired. So with fixed fee, you present to them what it is you're selling 
the service that you're selling, what the value is, and you can you can explain the value better because you have a here's what it is and here was what it costs. And then what I found is that at that point, if they agree to it, they never think about the cost again. They, they and we usually we get half up front, half it half it when the when it's done, and we never have another conversation about what it costs. And that's been an amazing. We've been doing that for ESOP transactions since 2016, and it's just been an amazing turnaround. Also, we don't have five, six page bills like we used to, that customers felt compelled to go through and, and, and check every single entry, right? Now they get one one page bill with one line in it. And ESOP transactions, fees for ESOP transaction documents, bill one of two. And, and it, it, it's just amazing how much, it's simpler, right? And as a, as a consumer, it's the decision point is, is very succinct. You buy it, you pay for it, and that's it. That's that's you know just incredibly powerful idea. Um, having received bills for legal services in the past, and kind of grumbled about it a little bit. So, well, I think what I'm hearing is that productivity is not just about working on your widget or your legal matter. I mean, you you brought the idea of productivity and efficiency to the entire customer experience, including sales uh, and customer service. Right? Is that that that's a fair statement? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Now, thinking about percentage of time, I don't know if you've given this thought, but you must save just a ton of time when you're billing for a fixed fee, or I'm sorry, when you're billing for a open-ended contract, how much of your time do you think was saved as a rough percentage by switching to fixed fee? What kind of a efficiency do you think you, you got in that? Yeah, I haven't measured it completely. I've taken anecdotal measurements on it though. And, and so... Let's just say it used to be we would have trouble getting two transactions done in a month. And, and a lot of that, I think, felt like churn. It was, it was, just, it was just too much people looking at billable hours as productivity, not efficiency. We just completed four transactions in a month in December. And I think a lot of that was just purely because of efficiency. We, we've, we've, we got people thinking in a way that we can get more done in a shorter amount of time. We don't have to, we don't have to churn billable hours. We just have to do the best job we can, get the work done in a timely manner. And that mentality is an efficiency mentality. So would you say that your margins are the same or better? Way better. You... Yeah, so... they're way better. Well, I think, uh, Mike, I think we can understand why Tim is now a managing partner because he doubled his practice area's efficiency and improved margins at the same time. Yeah, but, I, I'm not going to take full credit for it, but I will say those practice areas that are doing this, and I would say, like, you know, we're trying to figure out, like, well, which practice areas can do this and, can do this and which can't. The last bastion of hourly billing will, will end up being litigation. So why is that? Well, litigation has a lot of risk factors, a lot of things beyond the control of the one lawyer that's quoting the price. What judge you get? Who's on the other side? What jury you get? How cooperative are the witnesses? How many witnesses? How, what about experts? Those are so many variables that weigh into it. So that, you know, we, went, we already talked about risk assessment. And, and if you're in a, a practice area where where the risk factors and you can quantify them a little better than, than in other areas, or you can, you can say, well, it's really the only a few of these risk factors, then, then you can really 
do amazing things. And also, you know, we talk about repeatability. I know some large companies, even with litigation, they're requiring fixed fee billing. Actually, I don't think any of our clients do this, but they're requiring fixed fee for litigation because they know we're going to be sending you 30, 30, 30 cases this year. And you're going to be repeating it over and over. Now, on some, it, you know, they may be difficult and take more time, but on others, they won't. So you guys have to figure out how to get to a number that, on average, will will put you not at a loss, right? And, and, and so, the, so that's that's another example of, of the client making you change how you're measuring performance. You're cha- you're being asked to go to a more efficient model. That's really dramatic change. Yes. Yeah, this is a really powerful example of, you know, the benefits of innovating, trying something different and listening to your customers. You know, what advice do you have for leaders and organizations looking to or considering taking on a change like this? You have to be flexible in, you know, as you go. I mean, we started doing ESAP transactions, a lot of them in 2008, 9. We didn't start doing fixed fee work until 2016. That, that took us too long. I mean, we should have been doing that a long time, long time before 2016. I think a lot of that was really not paying attention to, to what the client wanted and to what was feasible. I would also say in our situation, we also were, the, the, there are a bunch of players in transactions. There's valuation companies, there's, there's um, you know, there's ESAP trustees. They were all doing fixed fee work and they were able to do it. And we felt like, well, we're different. We, we can't do it because we're, we're different. The reality is we're not different. And so pay attention and be flexible and look at what other people are doing and think about, even if at first it's very uncomfortable, which it probably will be, be flexible about it and keep an open mind because that's, that's without that, we never would have ended up where we are today, which is way ahead of where we were. And we're doing 10 to 12 ESOP transactions a year the client's happier and we're more efficient, making more money doing it. Well, uh, Tim, so making all that happen, you say it takes some, um, you know, it takes some leadership. It takes, uh, it takes some patience uh, and courage. Are there, are there particular management skills that, that you think are, are really would be helpful for people who want to make these kinds of changes? Well, for sure. You know, here, here's the other thing is I've been an attorney for 23 years but I don't think I could have done or considered doing this without being around and listening to a lot of entrepreneurs over the last 10 years. I'm in in, in a bunch of groups with with business owners, listening to them talk about KPIs and efficiencies and profit margins. All those things are not typically things that lawyers pay much attention to. So, I would say uh, from a management perspective, it is, it is really understanding a business or your business. That just takes taking a step back and looking at it. Like, what is your product? What is your measurement of productivity? And does it work both for you and for the client? Great well, advice. Can't argue against, uh, yeah, worrying about what your client uh, thinks and what's going to be best for them as well as what's best for everybody involved. Thank you, Tim and Derek, for the discussion today. And thank you as well to our listeners. We wish you the best of luck as you move forward on your leadership journeys and tune into future episodes in this series where we'll build upon the concept of calculating manager value 
by introducing another metric and real life examples.